Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not, everyone say do not, do not put your trust in princes, hashtag presidents, in mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, O new creation, Albuquerque, for all generations, praise the Lord. Amen. That's good stuff. I want to walk through this psalm in light of this season of uh, the political climate we're in, right? It just seems to get worse and worse and worse. The polarization, the political animosity, the entanglement and enmeshment we see uh, that the church has with the political politicalization of everything, the political storm and uh, foment that we see, the strife, the church just participates in it. We become polarized with it right along uh, the culture, and we're tempted to put our hope, to put our faith, to experience hope, relief, or despair, depending on who or what happens based on the outcome of November 3rd, 4th, 5th, hopefully not too much longer than that. I want you to hear this psalmist that wrestles with and calls himself to stay focused on God, to stay focused on the one true King. He says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Notice that he's talking to himself. He's urging himself, his soul. He's talking to his soul. He says, pay attention, soul, snap out of it, soul. Focus, praise the Lord, this is self-talk. When I played racquetball, I played racquetball competitively for a long time. I uh, actually embarrassing to think about how I did this uh, as often as I did when I played, as I think back on it. But I yelled at myself. I talked to myself. I would be in a tournament and be like, come on, Jesse, come on, get it, come on. And I would just like yell. There was one match where I just went crazy. I was just screaming at myself. And I'm very embarrassed thinking back upon it. But that's how I motivated myself. That's how I kept myself in the game. That's how I stay focused because as a person, I'm not super competitive. I don't have like the killer instinct, but I, I still like to win. And so I had to just like yell myself, motivate myself. This is what the psalmist is doing here. He's talking to himself. He's like, come on, stay focused. Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't let your gaze go to the left or to the right, to the donkey or to the elephant, right? Praise 
the Lord. Stay focused. It reminds me of this, um, this epic story. It's core to our civilization, right? It goes down to Homer's Odyssey. Odysseus is a man who's on a extremely long journey trying to get find his way back home and gets blown off course. Um, experience, you know, comes into contact with monsters and um, armies and storms and he is uh, shipwrecked and all of these things. Well, one of his challenges that he faces on his journey back home is he is told in advance by a uh, prophetess, I think it's a prophetess, Circe, who tells him, as you go on your journey, on your ship, you're going to go through this passage. And at this passage, there are these creatures called the sirens. And these sirens sing the most beautiful music you've ever heard. And no mortal can resist their song. And what happens is you will hear their song and you will be drawn to it no matter how hard you try to go past it, past their song. You will be drawn, lured by the sirens, and you will stay there forever until you die. You will never get where you need to go. And so knowing this, he has all of his crew, his sailors, stuff their ears with wax. But he wants to hear the siren's song. And so he has his sailors tie him to the mast in like unbreakable bonds. And he tells them, no matter what, no matter how much I scream, no matter how much I beat my head against the the mast, no matter how angry I get or what I threaten, do not, whatever you do, let me tie me down. And so they go through the passage, the siren song goes Odysseus is tied to the mast and he starts to freak out. He wants to go to the sirens. He wants them and he's yelling at his crew, turn, turn, turn. And he's gnawing, he's scratching at his bonds, trying to break them until it almost kills him. But they get it, they get past the sirens. This is, Odysseus is us in many ways. And the sirens are the political pundits and parties and platforms calling out for our allegiance, trust, and faith. As we hear whoever it is, local government, uh, presidential, congressional, senate, these political figures say that uh, my plan is going to bring about your happiness is going to set right society. They're calling to us to put their faith and their trust in them. And we are tempted to believe that God and God's agenda and God's kingdom runs on the power of earthly political um, influence. The sirens call to us. And so many of us are, 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 I mean, I think all of us to a certain extent are called, are, 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 are having a hard time resisting the siren call. Either we panic because one person is going to come into control or and we go into despair, or we have extreme hope for the future because another person is going to be in control. This, this psalmist is in a culture of emperors and kings and princes and powers that promise good to their people, and he is shouting out to his soul. He's tying himself to the mast, saying, 
No, soul, praise God. Fix your eyes on God. As long as I live, I will praise God. God alone is who I will praise. Oh, there's a picture I meant to show you. There's, a, there's Odysseus tied to the mast with the sirens. Um, and he, they made it through there. And so the psalmist says, do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. And here's the deal. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Here's the problem with earthly rulers. They are subject to death. And their plans and their platforms and their best intentions and their wisdom or whatever dies with them. They are mortals. And they are subject not only to death, but to Satan, sin, and death. And so they are lured and enticed by power, by selfishness, whatever it is, they are not trustworthy. Their plans perish and they die with all human beings. And so with them die their political platforms that promise power, that promise security, that promise comfort. And so the psalmist reminds us there is only one person who is not subject to Satan, sin, and death. Who is it? You're all on mute, but I can't hear. But it's, yeah, it's God, all right? Perfectly revealed in Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus has defeated Satan, sin, and death. They're underneath his feet. And he will defeat Satan, sin, and death finally and completely. That's the only campaign promise we can hope in. And fixing our eyes on God, praising him alone, if we can tie ourselves to the mass of the good news that Jesus is king and he's on the throne and he's the only one who comes through, the, the promise is happy, blessed, blessing, peace. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Peace comes when we fix our eyes on the one who is able to give us power, security, comfort, and meaning. When we go looking for it in any other place, in any other political party or platform, we are not happy. We are filled with angst and worry and strife. But happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. This word is esher. It means satisfied, secure, rooted, blessed. He defeated the powers of Satan, sin, and death, and he is the only one who can give us shalom. So here it is. Who do we trust? The psalmist has to remind himself, and he reminds us today, who is this God that only uh, deserves our worship and our praise and our allegiance? It is the God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. He is the one who keeps his promises. He is the faithful one. He made heaven and earth. That's a pretty good resume. And the sea and all that is in them. And this is his character. Here's his political platform. Here's what we can get behind. And here is what should shape and form our way of life. This is how the politics of Jesus works itself out amongst the people of Jesus. He executes justice 
for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Look, behold, everyone, listen to this. Behold the politics of Jesus. Behold the way of Jesus. Here is your king, and here are his priorities. And we see it perfectly revealed in Jesus, who he steps into that synagogue in Luke 4, and he, he unrolls the scroll, scroll from Isaiah, and he says, I have been anointed by the Lord, right? I've been anointed by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The kingdom of God has arrived. Behold, the good news is here. The good news of God is here. Repent and believe. Respond. Order your life in this way. The only political, and I want to make clear about this, and a lot needs to be unpacked here, and I'm sending an email with some resources here, but I want you to hear this, all right? The church is not a voting block. The church is a political body. The church is not a political, it's not a voting block. It is not a group of people that can be pandered to or wooed by any politician. It is an alternative society that orders our life according to a enthroned King, King Jesus. We already have a president. We already have a king. We already have a constitution and we already have a kingdom manifesto. And it looks like the Sermon on the Mount. It looks like verses seven through nine. It looks like a Jesus who um, calls us into the way of life. So a politi- the po- church is a political body, not a voting block. We are a We are a body politic. Politics just means the word politic comes from the word polis. We've talked about this before, but it's simply how we arrange our common life together. And Jesus has a very specific calling. He he calls us into arranging our life together in very particular ways. It looks like loving your enemy. It looks like executing justice for the poor. It looks like feeding the hungry. It looks like setting prisoners free. It looks like opening the eyes of the blind. It looks like loving your neighbor as yourself. It looks like self-sacrificial, self-giving, self-emptying love. It looks like reconciliation and peace, shalom, wellness in all direction. It looks like creation care. It looks like the kingdom of God. The passages in Isaiah, Isaiah 65, it looks like Revelation 21. It looks like the promises of what is coming and what God is bringing about. We are a political people, not a voting block. And so in this season, where people are vying for your trust, your allegiance, and your hope, Place your hope in King Jesus, who is already on the throne. Our hope or despair is not based on who wins November 4th 
Now it matters who is president and it matters who is in, in the government. And our vote matters. And I believe we ought to vote to minimize, hear this, to minimize evil, not to maximize kingdom. We don't, we vote to minimize evil and the evil that is done in evil systems, but never to expand the kingdom. God's kingdom does not come about by political power as defined by Trump or Biden, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party, Communists, whatever you want to say. Only Jesus is bringing about the kingdom of God. And it's his reign and his rule. So as the church, we don't so much strive to change the world. Rather, we strive to be the world changed by Christ. Did you get that? I didn't come up with it, but it's a good phrase. We don't so much strive to change the world through political influence and power and dominance, but rather we seek to be the world changed by Christ. What that means is when people experience our shared life together, they experience a, a place where people forgive one another where people's needs are met, where people aren't gossiped about and thrown under the bus. They experience a world where people, regardless of, where people are, are, are experience justice and equality and are included in all that uh, God offers. Everyone has a place at the table. They experience Jesus. They experience the political reality, the way that we are arranged as a people to be full of love, justice, peace. So we are to be a political reality, serving our king, our president, Jesus. And so no matter who wins on November 4th and no matter how weird it gets from now until then, no matter what hate you hear spewed on whatever news network or social media outlet, please church, let's tie ourselves to the mass of the gospel. Let's tie ourselves to the mast of the good news that Jesus is king, that Jesus has died, that Jesus is risen and reigning, and that Jesus will come again to make all wrong things right, to bring restoration, renewal, and healing. And we as the people of God live according to his politic, and our, our hope is in him. I just want to list, leave you with this last verse. The Lord, the Lord will reign forever. There's no term limits on the Lord. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, your children will be okay. Your children will be okay. God is on the throne. Praise the Lord. All right? All right. I was going to play this. Oh man, I'm not going to play this video, but it's a good one. I'll play you. Uh, I'll play it later. Let me just give you the chorus here. This is an old Derek Webb song, very influential, about uh, 15 years ago in my life. But here is the chorus of this song. My first allegiance is not to a flag, a country, or a man. My first allegiance is not to democracy or blood. 
It's to a king and a kingdom. Can we pray, Lord? I thank you that you are King Jesus and your kingdom is on the move. Your kingdom is taking root and we get to experience glimpses of your kingdom in our midst. We heard some of that proclaimed even in our community. Lord, we pray, Jesus, as we share life with you and share life with one another, it would be transformative. It would be a witness to your politic, to your social arrangement of people, that we would be a picture of what it looks like to live underneath your loving reign. Lord, guard us from the temptation to pledge our allegiance to a flag, a country, or a man, to pledge our allegiance to a, to democracy or even to blood. Lord, fix our eyes on you. May we praise you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.